Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. We have all four drivers in the championship four joining us over the next hour on NASCAR America. Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. are in New York City for the day, and they sat down with our champion, Dale Jarrett, for a candid conversation with the last race of the season only days away. You know, for, for me, having won the first championship, I feel like we have a, a good game plan on, on how to deal with the weekend, how to deal with, with everything that's going on. So. Um, Let's go down there and race. I'd rather be in it than not. Yeah. Um, I'd rather be sitting here doing the work today uh, than not True doing that. the work, even though I don't really <laughs> like the work. Um, I like my job. I just don't like the work. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. You like the weekend job. I like the weekend. I like my weekend job. But uh, yeah. you know, to come and have to have to sit down with you is actually okay. <laughs> Kevin Harvick ready to get behind the wheel right now, but he doesn't mind sitting with a Hall of not. Famer in Dale Jarrett. The mood is pretty light, which I guess can't be a bad thing heading into the weekend. Well, I think we were really smart on separating Martin Truex Jr. and Joey Logano via <laughs> Kevin Harvick there in between. But, you know, it kind of struck me that they all had their similar personalities we see throughout the season. Kevin looked a little reserved and serious. Martin was very nice, and then Joey seemed a little bit more jovial, and Kyle Busch was the jokester in the crowd. So we kind of saw a little bit of their, each of their personalities that we see throughout the season. But yeah. I, I did like the placement amongst those two, separating yeah. them a little Might bit. have been a little strategic Maybe. on our Just part. Uh, we do have more from the championship four ahead, of course, over the next hour. But we are going to begin the show by remembering one of NASCAR's legends. Three-time Cup champion and Hall of Famer David Pearson passed away last night at the age of 83. And with more on the iconic career of NASCAR's Silver Fox, a man that was so loved. Here's Hall of Fame broadcaster Ken Squire. 1961, master car builder Ray Fox confided to counterpart Bud Moore he suddenly needed a replacement driver for the big race, the Charlotte 600. You want to give a look at that Pearson boy, said Bud Moore. Never heard much about him, said Fox. You will, said Bud Moore. You will. So David Pearson, in a car he'd never seen before, faster than anything he'd ever driven before, finished first. On three wheels, mind you, defeating Fireball Roberts. And with sparks flying, takes the checkered flag. That was really a thrill to me. Little Amelia boy like me, you know, go to Charlotte and win the World 600. It was something else. A Mill Hill boy, Whitney Mills. For seven years, he'd gone to night school with a classroom of fifth to a half mile oval. Later, with fellow Mill Hill car owner Cotton Owens, they won the NASCAR National Championship. And for time to come, the major opposition, the Petty Clan. Make way, Richard. That bomb that just burst past you was Pearson. And it was to become the greatest rivalry in the history of the sport. The Petty Plymouth 43 versus the Holman Moody Ford 17 with David Pearson aboard. 1968 saw Petty and Pearson each scoring 16 major wins, but David took the title. It's the car of a champion, David Pearson of Spartanburg, South Carolina at the wheel. We just had fun every we went. We used to run for the championship. We won it. 
twice too. Paul Wimutis. With a third national title, Pearson changed his perspective, missed home, and some said he was fading. So when the Wood Brothers of Patrick County, Virginia, placed a phone call inquiring if David would be interested in racing a limited annual schedule, the Fox had found a new lair. The Wood Brothers, masters of pit stops and motors and suspensions, and Pearson providing the master's touch as to when and how far to push a race car, it worked to perfection. I'd have to give them Wood Boys credit. They done a good job, and so uh, we were just lucky enough that uh, it would come out just right. If there ever was a track that was personal to David, it was Darlington. Everybody says it's too tough to tame and stuff like that. I said, if anybody's going to tame it, I'm going to try to tame it. All in all, he won there 10 times. No driver has won more races at Darlington than David Pearson. Well, the old fox did it again. Well, thank you, David. <laughs> there was one race, however, where David Pearson had not succeeded. The Great American Race. In 76, the Charlotte Observer's Bob Moore wrote, it was to be a classic confrontation. It lived up to the hype. They're in the wall. Petty is sliding, slamming into the wall. He's coming down toward the finish line. At that moment, Pearson maintained focus and could be heard on the radio saying, where is he? Where is he? He shifted into neutral, feathered the throttle to keep the car running. Pearson's terribly crippled car slowly drove around the petty wreckage and to the checkered flag at 20 miles per hour. David Pearson has won the Daytona 500. At the end of their racing careers, Petty had 200 wins, Pearson's second 105. Richard Petty said, David Pearson was the best there ever was. David said he would never argue with anything his friend Richard said. Ken Squire, the perfect man for that job. He called so many of David Pearson's wins. What comes to your mind when you think about a legend like that? Well, first of all, that was an incredible piece. Kind of gave me chills a little bit there. Me too. But, you know, David Pearson, to me, from what I've watched in old races and read about him, really embodied what you think a stock car driver is. He was cool. You know, he wasn't getting all worked up all the time. He had a unique driving style. He had a cool nickname, the Silver Fox. I just loved all of that about him. And I think when you look at his record, I mean, that's what's incredible as well. And half the races apparently of, of, of Richard Petty. He had 105 wins. He had half the wins. That was incredible what he was able to accomplish. But I think, you know, from that era, when you look at the, the right stuff, it's the book and the, uh, the movie out there about the guys who became astronauts. You know, to me, he was that sort of embodiment. He was that kind of era. He really embodied that era so well. So yeah. I think that was, he's just an incredible character and obviously someone who really set the groundwork for the sport to go to where it is now. Yeah, the king, just the perfect foil for yes. their story. You know, they go head to head and he took awesome. about half of them. I mean, I mean two titans that yeah. just battled amongst <laughs> all these awesome racetracks in an era that was so dangerous. They were daredevils mm -hmm. and yet so cool about just it. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah, they didn't have to try to be cool. Mm -hmm. They were cool. That's right. Some, some drivers could take a lesson maybe, yeah, maybe. from that. He was just cool. Um, thoughts about Pearson's passing have been pouring in on social media from last night and beyond. Jeff Gordon posting, he was a legend and one of the all-time best to ever drive a stock car. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. weighed in as well. Anybody who raced him will tell you he was the best. The Silver Fox lived up to his persona on and off the track. And Clint Boyer also added, one of my favorite things to do is find an old-timer that's been in the garage a long time and listen to their stories. And I guarantee you, Pearson will be the top five stories 
that they will tell you. Hashtag legend. <laughs> We're going to continue to remember Pearson throughout the show. Uh, and as we get back to today, NASCAR champion and Dale Jarrett joined this year's championship four contenders. They offered their thoughts on how Pearson impacted their careers as well. Guys, welcome uh, to NBC, and thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Um, on Monday, uh, the sport lost one of the greatest drivers to, to ever come through in David Pearson, a Hall of Famer uh, in 2011, uh, won 105 races, never, only four times ran a full season and won a championship three different times. So uh, I'm sure you all have heard stories. Uh, I got, I was fortunate to grow up watching him race with my dad and Richard Petty and a lot of people, just unbelievable. Got to race with him a few times in the Bush Series, but uh, pretty special to do that. Uh, memories, uh, things you've heard about David Pearson that you might could share? Obviously, just for me, growing up and watching the highlights of those races and seeing the old-time films and things like that has been a, a cool aspect to see of the results that he had and the success that he had and the champion that he was. And um, I also got to meet him a few times down at Darlington since yeah. doing the throwback weekends and things like that the last few years he's been there. And it's uh, been really cool to just kind of sit there and talk to him, whether it's been for 10 or 15 minutes, kind of share some stories, share some laughs. And so that was my, my relationship with him. wasn't much, but uh, cool cat, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at his stats uh, and what he was able to do. And, and like you said, didn't race for a championship very often. But when he did, yeah. he won three quarters of the time, uh, which is very impressive. I, I never had the opportunity to really get to know him as well as I would like to. Um, but, man, what a, an amazing career. Um, you know, and, and I think it's he's almost under the radar a little bit too much compared yeah. to what he should have been for the amount of races he's won and, and the way he handled his uh, racing career. Yeah. yeah, I think under the radar is a, is a great way to put it just because, you know, I think as, as you talk about how he raced and, and not racing all the time other than those four years, you know, you look at the results that he had and the amount of races that he won, how much would that have changed if he would have been in, in the seat all the time oh, yeah. against mm -hmm. Richard Petty and... Kale Yarbrough and all those guys that, that were winning so many of the races that we look at those record books now. And, you know, I think, um, you know, you go back and you look at the way that he raced, always taking care of his car. And uh, there at the end of the races, uh, he was just, you know, a true uh, winner, um, you know, because of the fact that, that he was always there at the end and, and won a bunch of races. Yeah. yeah. How was he not a first ballot Hall of Famer? Like, yeah. how did he just not? <laughs> Notoriety. You, you yeah. just you see you think you know you think the Silver Fox David Pearson the things he's done what all these guys mentioned just a legend over sport and and you know we're lucky that he was there before us because he he's one of the guys who who truly paved the way for all of us Absolutely. yeah yeah as I said growing up around him and watching him I, I knew and as a kid in the 60s and early 70s, that he was the coolest, baddest man walking around <laughs> yeah. on the pit road yeah. and he never had to tell anybody never told anybody that everybody just knew it quiet business yeah. <laughs> All those drivers have such respect for the history of the sport, and we're also going to hear from the King and what he has to say about Pearson in just a little bit. But coming up, we are going to go back to New York. Dale Jarrett talks to this year's championship four about Sunday's title fight in Miami. Everything on the line will be back with that as NASCAR America continues after this. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Four hundred miles to history in Miami for the four title contenders on today's show. NASCAR's ultimate prize on the line in the Monster Energy Cup Series Championship race. Be with us on Sunday at three Eastern over on NBC for that. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Joey Logano 
are making the media rounds before a weekend that will likely define one of their careers. Let's go back to their conversation with 1999 NASCAR champ Dale Jarrett. Gentlemen, thanks for taking the time out of your, what's a busy week for you? I'm sure, sure. it's a, a good busy week. Uh, <laughs> only four of you with a chance to win this championship. Uh, so we'll start there. Uh, you know, this sport, I think, has changed a lot over the years. And one thing that's changed is we talk about the odds of winning and who the people in Las Vegas uh, think is is going to be the favorite uh, to win races, championships, and things. So they've come out with theirs. Things have changed a little bit since we did this uh, on Sunday. Kyle, uh, right. Kevin and Kyle Bush are uh, two to one favorites. Martin, you're basically a three to one, and Joey four and a half is what they've got. Four and a half to one. Uh, I think you probably all feel like you should be the favorite in a way. One of you said that you were the favorite, right? <laughs> well, at the time, I was only one in, so I kind of <laughs> really was the favorite. But I, I do think that, you know, I think all of us probably have to have that feeling inside unless just don't even show up down there, right? Mm -hmm. You got to internally feel that you have the, the confidence in your race team that, that you can make that happen. So I straight up just said that's how I feel at the time, you know, and I'm sure each one of them, most likely, I can't speak for you guys, but I'm assuming you guys are thinking fine. the same thing. Just keep, <laughs> just keep, right, just keep talking. <laughs> do, when you see and hear things like that, does it change anything about your perception of what you have to do? No, it doesn't. I mean, you can look at odds all day long and look at how many times you're favorited or not favorited in the races that you've won or haven't won in those scenarios. So it just comes down to the whole aspect of the race day and what happens in that day, what happens in that race, and, and what you're able to accomplish and um, and do as as a race car driver on the racetrack do you think Kevin, maybe this is the closest as far as the odds have been over the years when you look at the the other three competitors you're against well you know i think as you look at it from last year i mean it's the same four organizations that yes. are that are racing against each other so um i never even looked at the the odds of, over the last you know four years and, and what they were at championship time but there's a reason that all four cars are here it's their their teams and their organizations and and, and their uh, just to get to this point is not that easy. You know, it's you got to survive a, a lot of things throughout the year and, and put yourself in position. And, and you know, we've um, we've all raced against each other at, at some point uh, for the exact same thing, and, and that's the championship. So mm -hmm. this is the the hardest part is over, in my opinion. You know, getting here is 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 the hardest part. Obviously, you want to cap it off and and win a championship and and do everything you can to to cap the year off. But the hardest part is getting to the final four, and and um, you know, in my opinion. Martin, should there be a case that the defending champion should come into the this the next year as, as the uh, favorite, odds-on favorite? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think odds are difficult to predict and pick. I mean, even Vegas gets it wrong once in a while. <laughs> That's right. You know, they, they, that is a big, beautiful place, but they lose money too sometimes. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's hard to it's hard to predict, and it's even hard to predict if you look throughout the regular season. You know, I think you look throughout the season that the guys have been fast, and you say, well, this guy's good at these type of tracks. It's still a race. Still a lot can happen. You never know. Um, you know, we dominated the mile and a half last year, and, and honestly, the 18 had the better car in that race. And it just, the way the race played out, played into our strengths. Mm -hmm. That could happen at any point in time this weekend for, for any, any of us four. Um, I think you just have to go down there with the mindset of, you know, what do we have to do to put ourselves in position? And that's really the main thing and, and doing all the little things right and uh, mm -hmm. hopefully having, having speed to put it all together. Yeah. I, I'm sure you all will take anybody, whether it's family, friends, or anybody out there, uh, saying that you're going to be the one that they choose to, to win. So anything that you can have that. But as you well know, especially with the three of you that were here last year, and it's happened over the last few years to so Joey, we, 
Zoo Miami uh, has an animal that, <laughs> that chooses. This uh, is the most important piece. Right this here. is it. Yeah, this yeah. is it. Vegas eyes. So here we are today. Uh, this is um, same type of scenario. <laughs> the koa to Monday. So he's in the possum family. Who do you think is going to go he, towards here? He doesn't look very smart, but he's going. He's going towards that. <laughs> oh, doesn't look very he's smart. Going towards those two things. All right. I like. I like him all. All right. Again, you like boys. So, uh huh. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling that. But you said he hasn't been right yet, right? Hasn't been right yet. Oh, yeah. well. I'm liking him even more. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm looking to change that. Yep. Well, every streak has to come to an end, That's I guess, at some right. point in time. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Um, even Kevin's at Phoenix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was a pretty tough feat. Yeah. A Absolutely. lot of things had to happen, yeah. So I guess you were glad to end that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So we'll get on to the real stuff, although this has all been real to this point. I hadn't sure. made anything up. Um, you know, as an analyst and looking at this from the outside this year, these first these nine races uh, that you competed in look to me like that even judging by the other years. And I know you have to perform at a high level each and every time. But it looked to me like it was the most difficult whether to navigate through between the level of competition and some changes that were made as far as where you were racing and when the races fail. Is that a true statement? I would agree, I would agree with that. I mean, through the Roval in the first round, yeah. you know, that, that threw a lot of people. Every round kind of had a wild card race. If yeah, you I mean, it, that's, right? that's mm -hmm. exactly that. That added the wild card to the first round. And then, of course, Talladega in the, in the second round. And it wasn't the elimination race this time. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of changed the vibe, mm -hmm. I thought for everybody the way they looked at that round. I think so. Do you feel like the level of competition, I mean, you added some drivers that you didn't really, in years past, maybe had to compete against that have kind of stepped up. And, uh, you know, Kevin, you had a teammate and teammate in Eric Almirola that, that won. You had a couple of others that were capable of winning it every time. Uh, Brad is, is always in the mix and Ryan Blaney there. So you had some young names and then Chase started, started winning. When I look at Phoenix, I look at all the different scenarios that happened in that one race. You had Chase leading at a point, Kurt mm -hmm. leading at a point, Brad Brad was leading at a point. I think Kevin was out when Brad was leading and Kurt was in front of him. I mean, there was just so many different things, right? So I think that can always happen too at Homestead when you have these groups of four guys where any one of us can be in any which position throughout the day. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of who's going to be in what spot when it comes down to the checkered flag. Yeah, so at, at Kevin, after you looked at Sunday, did you look back and say, okay, the body of work that we did in the regular season really paid off and that's kind of the way the, the whole system was set up and, and that you had that uh, kind of in your back pocket? Well, I, I don't know that you – I think you look at every week as what you did last week. You better have gotten everything out of last week in order to, to be satisfied with yourself to move on to the next week. And I feel like as we went through the year, we definitely did a, did a good job at that. And, and, you know, I think as, as you go through uh, different seasons, you have, you know, different things that, that come out of different seasons that you can take away as, as inspiration for, you know, your confidence and, and your team and the things that you do. And, and Sunday at Phoenix was obviously – you know, one of those moments with your crew chief and your car chief gone and, and fill-ins and all the pressure and talk and chatter and, and all the things that had happened, you know, those are the moments that you want to be successful in. And, and you know, our team did a, did a great job to, to overcome a lot of different things. And I really think it was more about overcoming all the adversity uh, from the previous week and, and from, you know, the, the race itself with the flat tire and going a lap down and uh, all the things that happened. Everybody just kept pushing forward. And, and that's really how we've approached the whole season, push mm -hmm. forward Take everything that you can get from a point standpoint and see where it falls in the end. Yeah. 
You know, we love odds and polls and <laughs> stats and all that stuff. Joey Logano forced to defend the comments that he made before Phoenix that he, in fact, was the favorite, although he was the only one locked into the championship at the time, as he noted. But in reality, how close is this battle between these four drivers that have made it this far? Well, it sounded like he walked back on some of those comments a little bit there. <laughs> when it was centered so around all the three other others. three title yeah. contenders, it's hard but, to be uh, You know, I think, and arguably, this is probably the most competitive championship four we've ever had in this format right now. When you look at the stats amongst these four drivers, they lead in wins, they lead in top fives, they lead in laps led. These are the four fastest cars. And so I think when you're talking odds and favorites, you're splitting hairs amongst these four. And really, you know, for me, I've had throughout this playoffs and throughout this season thought the four car is the fastest car. Kevin Harvick is, in my eyes, the favorite, if you want to say. But close behind him would be Kyle Busch. Next to him would be Joey Logano because he's in a Ford, which I think are very competitive in the mile and a half as of late. And then would come your defending champ, Martin Truex Jr. But when I look at that, I'm talking splitting hairs mm -hmm. by putting those different odds up there and saying that those are my favorites and that's the underdog in Martin Shrek. So I think when, you, when I listen to them, though, they know that because you hear them talk about how they're not planning this weekend out. They're not planning this race out. They're focusing on what they can control, and that's what you have to do in this situation. When you're amongst three other competitors who are so closely aligned to you, you can't control what they're going to do. So these, the, all of them are going into this race with the mindset of, I'm going to focus on my team, my car, what we do in the race, and then they all get to the point of saying that last part of the race. That's what matters. We have to do everything to put ourselves in position for that last part of the race. And that's all you can do as a competitor in this format because you, you, would, you would go insane trying to think about all the different <laughs> scenarios of, all the other of, of, of how your competitors are trying to get to you, basically. So I think really what we heard there is that they are all focused on themselves, which is the only way they're going to be able to achieve success. Let's see what everybody at home thinks and pull up our yeah, poll questions. Poll questions, yes. All week long, by the way, on oh. NBCSports.com slash NASCAR, who's going to be the champion at Miami? Pretty evenly split, except the Joey Logano fans. So they they agree are me a little somewhat. late to the party. We're all in, we all agree Kevin Harvick's up there as the favorite, but I, I would actually put Joey Logano, I believe, above Martin. Trump As you can right see, now. though, it's changing pretty rapidly by yeah. the day, and you still have a couple more days to vote online. By the way, because we're not closing this one all the way up until game time, so make sure you log on to NBCSports.com/NASCAR and let your voice be heard if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, meantime, back to David Pearson, who is forever going to be linked to Richard Petty. Their rivalry took NASCAR to new heights, and coming up next, we are going to get the King's reaction to the passing of his longtime friend and rival when NASCAR America returns. Richard Petty too. He, he's probably the one that made me win as many as I did, you know. I, I would run hard because he'd make me run hard, you know. And uh, sometimes he would make a mistake and I'd pass him, you know. <laughs> and uh, of course I didn't ever make no mistakes. He always passed. <laughs> I always accused him of having big engines when he passed me. <laughs> NASCAR lost a legend this week in David Pearson, who passed away last night at the age of 83. The Hall of Famer left a lasting mark on the sport, three championships and 105 wins. Pearson finished 1-2 with the King Richard Petty 63 times. And as Parker mentioned earlier, he won 33 of those battles. So who better to reflect than the King himself, who was joined by his son, Kyle Petty? All right, so when you, when you heard the news 
about David's passing? What's the first thing that popped into your head? You know, I guess I know it's going to happen to all of us, but when you've been around people all your life, you hate to see them go. Yeah. And I know we've having some tough years. Uh, you mean Dale went to see him know, three or four months ago, and he had a good day, and we felt good about being able to go see him. And you know, you just—I guess the whole history of me and him running together, him racing just comes to your mind. Not any one particular deal, um, more than just, you know, being there for all those years. But uh, the better he was, the better I had to be to be to compete with him. So uh, I, th I think it was just one of those deals that came through that two personalities were lucky enough to have winning cars. And, you know, driving driving with him is something He'd be running along there and they'd have a caution flag. He'd look over and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> so wait a minute, man. I mean, I'm over here sweating and wiping, drinking water, and he's smoking a cigarette. I mean, he didn't get excited about nothing. I talked to Leonard Wood last night. Um, and, and the one thing I remember about all those years with him at the Wood Brothers, um, driving that 21 car with Lynn and Eddie and Glenn and Leonard and, and that group and you and Dale Inman and Wade Thornburg and Maurice Petty and all, there was never a harsh word ever uttered between the teams or between the drivers. Even if we go back to 76 in Daytona, there was never a harsh word. No, I think we respected each other so much. And we probably, been it was family businesses, uh, the Woods boys and the Petty boys, uh, I think we respected the family's deal. And we just looked at it, hey, you know, they're a family, we're a family. We gotta get, be a family together because we're in this racing business together. Uh, yeah, we're gonna try to beat each other, but the big deal is when the race is over, the race is over, we'll look forward to next week. From uh, pure driving ability and being relaxed and just doing it just without getting emotional about it, he was the best. There was no doubt about it. Pearson and the King, two of the all-time greats. And as you remember, David Pearson, look at these career highlights. He's a three-time champion, won the Daytona 500, 17 consecutive seasons with at least one win, and he won three times, both the Coca-Cola 600 and Southern 500. Quite a career. David Pearson is the winningest driver in Wood Brothers history. He had 43 wins with the organization. And joining us now is NASCAR Hall of Famer Leonard Wood, who was David Pearson's crew chief from 1972 to 1979. And Leonard, in his 2011 Hall of Fame speech, David Pearson called you the smartest man in the world. Can you describe for us the impact that he made on your life? Well, you know, uh, we always uh, complimented each other, and uh, we had so much... Uh, trust in each one uh we we uh we uh, had a lot of confidence in each other and uh i think and we picked at each other all the time and and of course he uh he gave me huge compliments which coming from him is a, a great uh great honor you know and uh and i can't say enough good things about him i mean he was just the greatest driver that i ever worked with I just can't uh, say enough about how much he knew how to enter and exit a corner. Just unbelievable. He had the perfect line, and then, of course, if you set the car up and it wasn't, it wasn't correct, uh, he knew how to find a, a, a line that did work the best for that particular setup. Uh, just, uh, you know, very sad that he's not with us.
No doubt, Leonard. Uh, David was known for having a very unique driving style. You know, he was reserved until it was time to strike to win the race at the end. Is that something that you noticed early on in his career, or did that evolve in your time together? Oh, no. He's always been that way. Uh, uh, I remember uh, he used to go, uh, when he was driving for Holman Moody, uh, he'd be running laps out there. There was no, really no better than nobody else's to speak of. But the last two laps he'd run, which he'd do it in our car as well, he would clip off two hot laps. And a lot of people didn't get it, didn't, didn't wasn't clocking him because he wasn't running that great earlier. <laughs> Practice. And, and somebody said, well, did you get Pearson? <laughs> and, uh, it was always that quick lap that he would run right before he finished practice, uh, you know, just to show you he could do it. Uh, and then, of course, he had so much uh, talent of how to set a car, uh, guy up for the last lap run, you know. To, uh, they just couldn't uh, figure out exactly what he was going to do, and he's always pulling some surprise on you, you know, at uh and he, he'd always tell us a lot of times that he couldn't, he's doing all he could do, you know, and uh, like he he couldn't, wasn't going to be able to win, but he'd always win the ones he said he could. <laughs> always you, wanted to do more than he said he could. <laughs> you know, you ran as such a dominant team despite running on a partial schedule. When you look back at everything, how were you able to maintain that level of success? Well, it, uh, it, it's, it's one of them, things that you you get your car right you're at home free with him if you could get your car as good as the next guy you 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 certainly had a good shot of winning the race and, and i don't think it uh we ever went to a race with him that we didn't feel like we had a shot of winning the race leonard we know it's a difficult day for you and your family we so appreciate you being with us and sharing your memories well yeah and i appreciate you uh uh calling and wanting me to be on to express my opinion and it's uh like i said i can't say enough uh good things about david pearson he's just the greatest driver ever and his greatest great friend david pearson called the wood family the nicest family that anybody could ever drive for thanks once again to leonard for sharing his memories uh before we had to break just on another note we do want to take a minute to think of those dealing with the devastating wildfires in california and remind you quickly of how you can help those affected you can text ca wildfires to 9099 to donate ten dollars to american red cross california wildfires relief nascar america back right after this Owen, who's going to win the championship? Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, or Joey Logano? Harvick. You think Harvick's going to win? Yeah. Why is he going to win? Because he has extra speed. He has extra speed? <laughs> I think you're right. Where's the speed come from? The spoiler or just because yeah. he's fast? Because he's just fast. Yeah, I think so too. 
<laughs> That's that expert analysis if I've ever heard it. Adorable. I think I should be worried for my job. It's <laughs> adorable. Kyle Larson's son, Owen. Uh, by the way, the Larsons will be happy to know the folks in Vegas think very highly of Kyle's chances to win the race on Sunday. That's actually a great bet. Also looking at Chase Elliott there, 20 to 1, considering how fast he was at Kansas. I'd take either one of those. That'd be oh, really good. That, what a sweet video. Uh, coming up, we are just five days away from crowning a champion. We're going to head back to New York for more of Dale Jarrett's conversation with the championship four when we return. Stay with us. I think you should be worried about your job. <laughs> Welcome back. In case you haven't heard, as a compliment to NBC's primary broadcast of the championship race at Miami, NASCAR Hot Pass is going to offer live coverage dedicated to each of the championship four drivers. It's Lee Diffie and Dale Jarrett. They're bringing you that this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That one's right here on NBCSN. It's really, really good. Uh, Dale Jarrett, a very busy man this week as we hear more of his conversation now with this year's championship four in New York. So we have three champions and a driver that's trying to uh, get his first championship. You're all in, a, in different ways, uh, uh, somewhat trying to change uh, your part in history of the sport. Because for three of you, there's only 15 drivers that have won multiple championships through the 70 years of this sport. Pretty incredible. And Joey, you're trying to join that group uh, of people that have uh, that by their name uh, as, as a champion. Do you view that and, and think about that any at all? And uh, not, you don't need any more motivation, but uh, just what this weekend could mean to each of you? I, I think, obviously, you think about it, right? I mean, we're, we're up here, you do all this media, you're thinking about championship. That's that's the goal when we get to Daytona, is to win the championship. And mm -hmm. there's only four of us that still have the opportunity to make that happen. And, you know, you try to put that in the backside of your mind, but it's there. You, you can't hide from it. And driver intros is going to be in your face. You know, there's going to be media around you all day, all week. Uh, and it's something that you just got to, you know, wrap your hands around and, and like it and, and enjoy it and and uh and think hey man it's it's an amazing opportunity to to be sitting here with three of the best stock car racers there ever been and i got a shot at the taking a, a trophy from them so i, I think that's a, a great opportunity something i'm proud of and i'm gonna enjoy it to the end yeah martin there had, nobody's won back to back in this uh format the way that they way we have things now does that uh, show the level of competition and just how difficult this is it's, it's hard to put into words, I mean, how I think about it. Um, you know, as Joey mentioned, so, such great talent here, not only these guys behind the wheel, but their teams. And to be in this position again, I just I feel so lucky. You know, I feel like it's a bonus to be here. I feel like, you know, last year um, I went in there thinking, you know, yeah, we're, we may be the favorite, but this is still going to be difficult. And it was. It was a, it was a challenge. It was really hard to, to get it done. Uh, I look at it this way the same way. I, I think I've we definitely have less pressure on us this year to get it done, but to win a second championship would just be, it'd be amazing. I mean, I'm still, I'm still kind of not sure what to think about the first one. And so, uh, you know, be able to get that second one and, and to be in the record book with some of those names that are there with more than one is, is amazing. I never in a million years dreamed I'd be in this position um, just five years ago. And so uh, just trying to enjoy it all and have some fun this weekend and uh, see if we can get it done. Kevin, you've been there four out of five years uh, in trying to and have that one championship to go on. Uh, uh, do you feel like that um, it, putting yourself there, uh, it's kind of like winning races and, and what percentage you put on that is the number of times you get there? Yeah, well, you have to be in it to win it, right? right. That's what Richard Childress used to always tell us. you got to be in it to win it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as, as you 
put yourself in position to to show up and, and win the championship. Hopefully, it increases your it obviously increases your odds. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but being there and, and doing that in 2014 with you know a similar situation to, to what Martin has, I didn't feel like we had the best particular car on that that particular night, but we had you know the circumstances and things kind of fall our way, and we were able to capitalize on them. And you know, you look back at you know hearing what what Martin said when when he won his championship. You look back at Jimmy Johnson. You know the other. The other car is all wrecked, and mm-hmm. you know he was the worst car on on that particular night. And and I I take that back for us, you know, from a team standpoint. And you look at last week, you just got to keep yourself in the game. Mm-hmm. You got to keep yourself in the game. Run the race to the end. See what the circumstances are, because you just never know when you're going to show up on a weekend. Your car is going to be super fast, or it's going to be off a little bit, or you're going to have challenges, or flat tires, or whatever the case may be. You just never know what you're going um, to have to deal with. And so for me, I just don't even think about it. You just you know that this week is going to be different. Yeah. Uh, you know you're going to have to deal with a lot more things. You know you're going to have uh, more people there, more sponsors, more cameras, more everything. And, and you just go down there and, and, and enjoy that. And, and I know, you know, for, for me, having won the first championship, I feel like we have a, a good game plan on, on how to deal with the weekend, how to deal with, with everything that's going on. So um, let's go down there and race. I'd rather be in it than not. Yeah. Um, I'd rather be sitting here doing the work today uh, than not True doing that. the work, even though I don't really <laughs> like the work. Um, I like my job. I just don't like the work. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Like weekend job. I like the weekend. I like my weekend job. But uh, yeah. you know, to come and have to have to sit down with you is actually okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Glad, glad that you're here. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Kyle, this is four years in a row for you, and um, uh, putting yourself there. I think top fives all the time when you're there. But this is a week that just saying. I know you all go to win every single week, but realizing that. Uh, in this format, you've had to win to, to be the champion. Does that add a little pressure or change your strategy or way of looking at things, or is it business as normal? Uh, it's business as normal. I mean, we go into every single week trying to think that we can go out there and win the race, um, barring different circumstances or difficult circumstances sometimes. It doesn't always come to fruition. But, um, you know, it does seem as though the, the champion is being able to win the race at Homestead. And as crazy as that seems, um, that's just what's been happening, and that's fact. And so uh, you definitely have to prepare yourself for that and um, think that that's, what's, that's what it's going to take to be able to get down there and become a champion. Mm-hmm. Kevin, we've seen you uh, get out, take a selfie uh, <laughs> just recently after a win and give the flag to the kid. Any chance that... If you win Sunday night, that it might be Rodney Childers you pick out of the stands, <laughs> bring over and do a selfie and get the flag. Well, you never know. Um, but yeah, you know, it's. Is he uh, in the stands? I don't think so. I, I think he I can buy a ticket. I, I think he can buy a ticket. Yeah, yeah, really. I don't really know the rules, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be that would be interesting, right? Yeah. Just, Pluck him out of the stands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, I know, that, I know that made that kid's day at Texas. Yeah, so they, that was, gave you the idea. That was that was uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool, and that was not planned. I should have put him in the driver's seat and taken, let him take a picture in the car. That would be the only thing that I that I would have done different. But um, if you went and drove it off, that would have been awesome. That would have been <laughs> even have better. You could have been standing there like, dude, where's my car? Yeah. So you know, I mean, I was just in that little camera hole right there, and the kid was kind of in the scrum right there, and and you know, I was I was able to, to pick him out. But that that's really. You know, our, our sport does that better than, than any other sport that I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. You know, they're better with the fans. They do a great job with charities. They do a great job helping each other. And, you know, as a dad, uh, you know, being able to make that kid's day was was pretty neat because you know that he's going to remember that for a long time. So, yeah. you know, it, 
fortunately, it just worked out that he had a great experience and it was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask a question that you're going to get asked on Thursday at media day. So I'll go ahead and get it out of the way for you, though. Uh, with recent uh, things at the end of a race, obviously, Martin and Joey, uh, you two had something uh, as far as a little bump and run at, at New Hampshire this year. It, has any of that changed how you look at your competitors right here and said, I'm going to race them differently uh, this weekend if that opportunity is there? I know it's a mile and a half track versus short tracks. Speed's a lot different, but uh, is your mindset different uh, because of things that happened? Not for me. I mean, you know, I, I want to race him and I want to race him and I want to race him. I want to race him as, as hard as, as I can and, and I want them to race me as hard as they can because I feel like, you know, as, as you sit in the garage and you look at their crew chiefs and you look at their team, you look at their drivers, I mean, you're racing the, the best of the best. And, and sometimes you're on the good side of that and sometimes you're on the bad side of that. And, and you know, that, that, stuff, that stuff happens. And, and so I just I want to race hard and, and, you know, come out beating the best. Yeah. Martin, we're there to win. That's all I can say. <laughs> Joy. Are we all? You said you were all hard. Here to win. Uh, I mean, yeah. we're all hard yeah. races. We're all here to win. Yeah. I mean, it's we all know it's on the line. I, I think it's it's pretty apparent. But I mean, we're, we're here to race and try to get a trophy. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's no different than any other week. The stakes are a little higher. That's all. No, I think you do the best you can. I mean, obviously, last year we kind of saw it between Martin and myself. You know, I got hung up a little bit in traffic, couldn't quite get uh, free as soon as I wanted to. Ran Martin down from a long ways back and got there but just couldn't quite, I didn't have enough. I just couldn't quite do anything with them um, besides flat out driving through the guy and crashing the guy, you know? So um, I think there's a matter of being able to think a little bit and um, not necessarily just do, but that's just to everybody's prerogative. Mm. And so one last question in looking, you're still going to have stages, but it means nothing to you guys as far as points, playoff points, anything like that. So does that change your approach uh, because the race starts late in the afternoon, it's going to transition into an evening thing? Do you approach it any differently that way? I don't, I don't approach it any differently. I mean, I think you, you just have stages. You just know when the cautions are going to fall. Yeah. Um, obviously, those are the predicted cautions you don't know what else is going to happen outside that scope mm -hmm. but um that's just kind of the way that that all the races have always been and we've kind of been used to that for the last couple of years so i think it's pretty good yeah yeah i think really the biggest piece of change is that you're not racing for points at those stages mm -hmm. so if a caution was to come out with five to go at the end of the stage you may have a different strategy mm -hmm. even though miami's pretty much a pretty self-explanatory race for a crew chief it, Put tires on. It's, yeah. it's two pretty, laps. It's usually, yeah. It's usually how that works. Uh, kind of like in Atlanta is or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the stages don't don't mean a whole bunch. Like Kyle said, it's just a place that we know that there will be a caution. And uh, and there'll be a restart at that point. But the hardest thing about that, Miami you know. is just managing your sets of tires. Yeah. that's that's yeah. Really, You know you're going to put four of them on. Yeah. It's just a matter of not using them all too mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got in that situation last year. I mean, you know, some of the guys that started mid-pack, uh, we had an early caution. Some of the guys pitted, and they drove by all of us. I mean, we mm -hmm. were leading the race and stayed out because we wanted to make sure we didn't run out of tires. And, yeah. and they two car and a couple of other guys mm -hmm. yeah. just blew, mm -hmm. mowed through the field, <laughs> took the lead. And it took the first you know, corner is ridiculous. It took a crazy. few. You know, it, it took quite a while for it to cycle back around to where the guys that were leading early got back up front. Yeah. So yeah. there's you know opportunity that for for that to happen, but. Um, not Guess you got to be really patient then, don't you? See, I tried yeah, to forget you, about you everything from last year, so I don't remember that. <laughs> you got to be patient, but stage points don't count, so it's a yeah. totally different deal than we're used to. We're so trained in the last couple of years to stage points, stage mm -hmm. points, stage points. How do you get them? How do you get bonus points? Where now it's like it, we're going back three years. Mm -hmm. How do you just put yourself in position at the end? You know, the old David Pearson race. So yeah. we'll see how it mm -hmm. goes.
Well, I think you guys have won eight out of the ten mile and a half, and uh, this is another mile and a half uh, this year. You bought your different one. Yeah, completely different, and yeah. that's that's important to realize is what you have to do and and the changes that you'll make as drivers uh, throughout the night. Absolutely, it's yeah. a fun one though. It's yeah, a cool place. Well, congratulations, and uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us a little bit. You got it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. Thanks. Straightforward strategy, fastest car wins. I think that's I think so. what all fans could be dreaming about heading into this weekend. One last stop, by the way, for the championship four. But head to, be, <laughs> Easy for you to say. Before they head down to Miami, uh, tonight's group is uh, going to be on Jimmy Fallon. Yes! On the I Tonight Show. Fallon. You jealous? Le- very jealous. I just want tickets. Can, you want do you tickets? know anyone who can get me tickets? Or I can I can make a few calls. We'll, okay, we'll find out. Sure. All right, when we come back, we are going to punctuate the show and find out what you learned. And find out if what I can speak learn? English. I'm not sure. We'll be right back. <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. As we prepare for championship weekend, NASCAR America, the place to be tomorrow. Hall of Famer Ray Evernham is our special guest, plus a pair of legends, the King and Dale Inman, going to discuss the end of the Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss era. Thursday, we are going two full hours, 5 to 7 Eastern, Full coverage from Media Day in Miami. We're going to hear from the championship four again. We'll bring you everything uh, from Media Day down in Miami towards the end of the week. Meantime, what do you think we learned today from the championship four drivers? Well, we learned that they're all not planning. They're focusing on the race and what they can control. I think that was pretty evident. But I think when we look at these four, you know, what is a championship or winning this weekend going to mean to each one of them? And I think, you know, when I look at Kyle Busch, this second championship could be the start of an ascent to being one of the greatest drivers of all time, right? At 33 years old, he has a lot more time left to rack up more championships, more wins. We might think of him as one of the best. Kevin Harvick, already going to be a Hall of Fame career, but adding a second championship really adds to his total, makes him one of those top drivers as well. And then when I look at Martin Truex Jr., I mean, this is a guy five years ago was off the radar, maybe even almost done in the sport, and now is facing a second championship. I mean, I think that's been an incredible story. And then for Joe Logano, when you think back just about a decade ago, Mark Martin said he's going to be the greatest, one of the greatest ever. We turned him sliced bread. Mm-hmm. Would a championship validate all that? I think that's a big thing for him. And because this show comes out of Stanford, Connecticut, he would also be the first ever cup champion from Connecticut. So he yes. can bring the trophy back to us. Uh-huh. Thank you very much, Joey. Appreciate I that. I know you have a soft spot for <laughs> Connecticut. When you look at this group of drivers who are in unprecedented territory, like you said, so many of them on their way to becoming Hall of Famers, it's only fitting that they were able to speak to David Pearson's legacy, you know, the day after NASCAR lost one of the all-time greats. No doubt. Well, I think Martin said it best right at the end of that piece. This race isn't come down to sort of a David Pearson-esque race. Yeah. you got to be in it at the end, and that's when you strike. Yeah, really fitting that he'll be on the minds of the championship drivers and everybody else this weekend. That is going to do it for us. We are back again tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern with Ray Abraham. As I mentioned, as we leave you tonight, a few more images of David Pearson, one of NASCAR's all-time greats who passed away last night at the age of 83. He will certainly be missed but also remembered. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.